Hello and welcome to the Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we are in Act 2, which is called Stanley Ships to New York, and Scene 8, which is called Bombs Away, of the Silver King. And it begins with Michael, the narrator, who is Stanley's son. The Silver King is ready to begin his real war. The training is complete, his B-26 crew tense with anticipation. The officers are briefing for the day's mission. It's 0400 on November 5th, 1944. This scene is in the Headquarters briefing tent. The squadron is preparing for assignment details regarding target, route, and flying time. The Silver King will fly Mission 1. After the squadron commanding officer's comments, the executive officer begins a detailed mission explanation. And then the bombardiers and navigators assemble for discussion of their work. Stanley is 22 months from his Nashville train ride. He has traveled the States, Atlantic Ocean and English Channel, to prepare for this morning. Nashville, Maxwell, Lakeland, Nashville, Santa Ana, Las Vegas, Carlsbad, Chicago, Columbia, Barksdale, New York. This man, 21, has met a role so matched to his ambitions, dreams, and talent that however his war ends, life has true definition. He will do his job with confidence and courage. Change sits on the tarmac. The king's job, much of which he learned in the air war, had two primary tasks. Line up on the target and release the bombs. Taught minutes when the bombardier drove the plane that stretched his skills. He sat in the nose blister the greenhouse, his mantra, arm, aim, toggle, arm, aim, toggle. Stanley became a decorated bombardier, flying in the Battle of the Bulge in December of 44 and in Operation Clarion in February of 45. The targets were bridges, railroads, gun placements, boat pens, engine sheds, and V-1 rocket launch sites. The bombs were anti-personnel, delayed action for gun placements, and contact for bridges. He was promoted to lead formation flights and boxes, and his crew, with a bombardier replacement, was shot down in February of 45. They lived and wrote Stanley to say so and asked that he ship their gear home. Michael reads a, an essential and significant letter that his father wrote on November 5th, 1944, from France. Dear ones, this was a perfect day all around for me. I can make no more complaints about the mail. That is, until tomorrow, anyhow. There were two letters from you dated September 22nd and October 1st, and there was also a very sweet letter from Aunt Lena dated October 1. It's really grand to know you're well. I could never thank you enough for writing so often. Believe me, I appreciate it from the bottom 
of my heart. I'm glad you did receive my cable. I knew you would be relieved to know I arrived safely. For a while, though, I was afraid it hadn't been delivered, but of course that's due to the fashion in which your letters are arriving. I've never seen such a screwed-up affair. It seems to be a miracle that I'm receiving any mail at all. I'm glad Aunt Lena is better. Only hope she stays well. Well, I saw Germany for the first time today. I flew my first mission. It was as thrilling as I had expected. Frankly, though, there was nothing to it. I didn't see any fighters or any action at all. We dropped our load without any trouble at all. In fact, it was just like a mission back at Barksdale. When we got back, the Red Cross was waiting with coffee and donuts. They are certainly doing a marvelous job. We also were given a shot of cognac by the group. They do things right over here. I'm glad you've sent me some boxes. I should have known you wouldn't forget me. I'll thank you for them when and if they arrive. Regardless, though, I'm forced to make more requests. I wish you would send some canned foods of some kind with crackers, cookies, and candy. One of the fellows received a box like that, and it surely tastes good before we go to bed at night. I would appreciate it if you do it. That's about it for now. I'm feeling fine. We'll write you again tomorrow. By the way, I don't think I told you I am in the Ninth Air Force. Keep well. Keep writing. Love to Ida. I love you and I miss you. Stan. As the lights go up on this scene, it's a combination of tension and remarkable calm as the men prepare. And it begins with the executive officer, G.B. Leverton, who is the captain of the 597th Bomber Squadron. Ten Hut, at ease. Gentlemen, our target this morning is the Ordnance Depot in Hamburg. Flying time to the target is 95 minutes. The weather forecast is medium clouds, wind from the west at 10 miles per hour, with a clear sky as you approach the target. And our hero, the king, who is ready to go. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. And Captain Leverton. Lieutenant Silverfield, new to this unit, will fly with his crew today. And the king again. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. And John Sherry, the king's faithful companion. Well, king, your war is now. Are you ready to be a warrior? And the silver king. Yes, J.J., I am. It's time to find out what I'm made of as our wheels go up and we fly to my first bombs away. I just want to do my job as part of a tight crew of warriors ready to win this war. I believe this is a final test that I will pass or fail trying many times before my war ends. I hope to pass, prevail, live, and see Alabama again. As the lights go down on this scene, Michael reads from a letter his father wrote from France dated December 5th of 1944, exactly uh, one month from his first mission. Dearest ones, the old mail is still coming, thank goodness. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be receiving a damn thing. I don't know why I'm not getting anything at this APO. The one I received was written October 28th in Chicago, the same one in which you complained because of not hearing from me. 
it doesn't look as if it'll ever get straightened out. We'll have to be patient and be satisfied with what we get. I sincerely hope Leona and Margie are well. The mail would stop just when I am so anxious to know all the details. There are so many things I want to know, like the color of her eyes, her hair, and who she looks like. And by this time, she must be a little doll. I only hope she'll be as good a baby as Richie was. Tell me how Richie reacted when he saw her for the first time. I know he'll be crazy about her. How I wish I could be there to help take care of her. Hurry up and take some pictures. Send me lots of everybody. Well, tomorrow is the big day. I'm going to Paris to see what it's like to live again outside a four-wall room. There isn't much new here. I spent most of the afternoon ironing my clothes for tomorrow. I'm getting to be a good housemaid, although I have a French woman doing my laundry. By this time tomorrow night, I should be blind from scotch and champagne. Bill will meet me there Wednesday. We'll have one night together. That should be the wildest night Paris has ever seen. When I come back, if I can remember what I saw and did, I'll write you all about it. Our champagne ration came in tonight. This month, we only got two bottles per man. With eight men in the room, though, we have ample for a good party some night. I think we're probably going to save it for the holidays. A few packages have been received in the room, and everyone is saving his to eat on the holidays. One day we're going to find a tree for the room so we can put the packages under it. It surely won't be anything like at home, but it will be as pleasant as we can make it. And I have four to my credit tonight. My next mission will be with the new crew. I'm sure we'll get along swell. Please keep writing. I'll do the same. Keep well. Love to Ida. Stan. This is the end of Scene 8, Bombs Away, and the end of the Silver King play. And you have been listening to The Silver King's War.